0: This is The Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday, 10 to 2, on 980 CKNW and through the Radio
1: Player app.
0: A big week in B.C. politics, so there's lots to talk about with our panel in the studio. With me, Shannon Waters, reporter for B.C. today. Shannon, thank you for coming in.
1: Thanks for having me, Mike.
0: Also, McLean Kay is here. He's the editor-in-chief of The Orca, B.C. McLean, thank you. Thank you for having us. Okay, guys, let's start with uh, the story we've been talking about a lot this week, and that is is ride-hailing and the sort of, I don't know if it's a botched or a bungled rollout, but everybody's suing everybody else. Uh, They said, Shannon, that the reason that this took so many years to finally achieve in British Columbia is because the government said they wanted to get it right. And I just thought, if this is getting it right... I'd hate to see what it would look like if they got it wrong, because everybody's suing each other. You got McCallum's people writing $500 tickets to Uber drivers. Uh, you got the taxi companies saying we're not going to subsidize wheelchair accessible taxis anymore, which I think is despicable. But your thoughts on the way this thing is rolled out this week?
1: Well, and I think the big thing is this is just the introduction to the Metro Vancouver market. Most of the rest of the province doesn't have any ride hailing services as of yet. The Passenger Transportation Board has been looking at applications or accepting applications since September. We're now in January and they've approved, I think, three applications and turned down more than that. Um, but yeah, watching what's been going on in Metro Vancouver this week has been sort of entertaining and mind boggling. Like you said, there seems to be sort of a new lawsuit every day or a new wrinkle that's rolling out. Now, the transportation minister yesterday came out with a statement saying, we're still working on things. There's There's more that's coming. We're going to make yeah. sure that insurance is easier for the taxi industry. But again, the province's messaging seems to be focusing on easing the taxi industry into this as much as possible. And yeah. even that doesn't seem to have been particularly successful. I find
0: it, find it strange that after two and a half years of this government in power, now they're trying to fix the insurance stuff for the taxi companies. This is one of the primary complaints from the taxi companies. Oh, the insurance is cheaper for Uber. Now the government's saying like, okay, we're going to give you cheaper insurance. Shouldn't they have done that a long time ago, McLean? Like-
2: well, yes. I mean, to me, that's the most remarkable thing about the last few months in ride hailing, ride hailing is that it somehow feels rushed, yeah. which is astonishing if you think about it, because we have a situation like we're trying to figure out taxi insurance after the fact. We're trying to figure out what you do when a city in Metro Vancouver decides it just doesn't want to play along. Somehow, despite this long run up they they seem unprepared and caught off guard. And I, I find that hard to explain. Let's
0: have, have a listen to this. This is a clip of Claire Trevenna, the transportation minister. And what I find interesting here is the tone about how the government seems to kind of gone all in a little bit on, on the side of Uber and Lyft and telling people like McCallum, you better get with the program. Here is Claire Trevenna.
2: They want ride hail. People want ride hail. We heard that overwhelmingly. We wanted to make sure it was safe. We ensured it was safe. We ensured that uh, it was going to be introduced in a fair way. And we made it very clear that... Uh, Ride hail was coming to BC, B.C. No municipality can block it. It is the law that there is ride hailing in B.C. in areas the Passenger Transportation Board has granted a license.
0: Okay, kind of a, a message, I think, directed to Surrey Mayor Doug McCallum saying you better get w- with the program, but McCallum is clearly has is, is drawn a line in the sand here and he's not going to play ball with them.
1: It, it it doesn't sound like it at this point in time and I can imagine that's frustrating for a lot of people who are excited yeah. about ride hailing. There you know, there are people who aren't super happy to have companies like Uber and Lyft operating in the province at this point in time, but overall I think most people are like, Finally we're getting ride hailing and now we have a mayor from one of the larger Metro municipalities saying, what? Nope, not coming here. What do
0: they gotta do with this guy? Uh, mccallum McLean, in in your opinion because we're going to get some new developments on this this afternoon it appears if the metro vancouver mayors approve uh, a region-wide license operating license for ride hailing another thing that's been bungled they should have had that in place from the very start but anyway they're bringing it in this afternoon what happens if mccallum says i don't care about your license it's not going to apply in in surrey i mean you know is the fight over
2: well, it doesn't appear to be over. The The provincial government strategy appears to be just to convince Surrey and any other mayors that may feel the same way to just play ball. But yeah. we're seeing what happens when they don't. And so uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the minister said that it is going to fall upon Uber and Lyft and whoever else to sue Surrey themselves. And so they're kind of uh, allowing it to go through another round in the courts.
1: And they already have an injunction. Uber's already filed to have bylaw officers in Surrey stop handing out $500 tickets to these drivers.
0: Let's uh, switch gears and talk a little ICBC. It was a big week on that file too. We had a report that came out from the private insurance companies saying, lo and behold, insurance is cheaper in Alberta where they have private insurance. A lot of pushback on that from the government saying, oh, the numbers are wrong. They've been torqued against us. But I thought it was interesting to see announcements this week from the government as well that we're going to bring in a new fairness commissioner for icbc i think the government thinks realizes that they're vulnerable on this i want you guys to listen to this this is uh me talking earlier this week to andrew wilkinson the liberal leader and i asked him about what exactly would you do to fix icbc if you were the premier and he gave me an interesting answer have a listen Okay, so you're not going to give me an answer to that. I'm asking what you would do, like if you're actually in power. Oh, I think ICBC should be open to competition. That's the whole idea, so that people have a choice. If ICBC can compete in that marketplace, then we might still have ICBC. But this idea that
1: somehow you're going to privatize a company that loses a billion dollars a year, who's going to buy that?
0: Okay, Okay. so what he's saying there, guys, is he's not going to privatize ICBC. Doesn't doesn't make any sense. But saying pretty clearly, I think, for the first time, he's got this degree of clarity, I think, that he thinks ICBC should be required to compete against private insurance companies for the basic insurance product here in B.C. that everyone's legally required to buy. Right now, it's a government monopoly. Does that change, McLean, in your opinion, does that kind of change the, the equation here on this debate? Because I think that's going to be a big issue going forward here in an election. Well, I think it does,
2: actually, because you're right. I mean, this does kind of lay down a marker for the first time of, uh, of a policy direction from the BC Liberals on this. Yeah. And that it, it seems to me that they and the NDP had a ways to do to catch up to the public, where there does seem to be this growing sense um, that, yes, on an apples-to-apples basis, it does appear, at least, as though a lot of British Columbians pay more for car insurance here. And I think the public has increasingly shifted in that direction.
0: Shannon?
1: I think McLean's right in that, like, monopolies don't tend to be very popular and ICBC seems to have an almost singular ability to make itself very unpopular. But the thing that strikes me, I have colleagues who work in Alberta and who work in Ontario and those are the markets that are often called up and that BC is compared to because there are private options there. And the impression that I get from my colleagues is people in Alberta and Ontario aren't happy with their car insurance either and are often paying really high premiums. So. On the one hand, yes, ICBC, uh, opening ICBC up to competition could, for a lot of people, um, sort of change the game. All of a sudden they have choice. They have options. But whether it's actually going to fix sort of the issue around insurance, whether that's from a coverage perspective, because that's been an issue with people, um, not having the coverage they expected or getting settlements that people feel are way too low. Yeah. Um, and also the cost. Um, I, I'm not a math person, so I'm not great with the numbers. The um, Insurance Bureau of Canada says they've crunched them and it's way cheaper in Alberta and Ontario. The Attorney General says, we don't know how you're arriving at those numbers. Prove it.
2: I think the interesting thing on that is is Shannon kind of hits the nail on the head there. And that I I think a lot of people aren't great at math in terms of comparison, because it is complicated. (laughs) But it was very interesting yesterday when uh, the Attorney General said that ICBC has a problem in that a lot of British Columbians don't trust it. Don't trust, yeah. And that, I mean, whether the numbers are true or not, is a, a sort of a reflection of the fact that I think people are starting to look at ICBC differently. Okay,
0: real quickly, guys, before we take a break. And the Green Party leadership. Now, we already have Sonia first to now. The Green Party MLA has announced that she will seek... Uh, the leadership of the party, which kind of the worst kept secret in B.C. politics, as Andrew Weaver put it. So everybody knew she was going to go for it. The other interesting development today is that uh, Yonina Campbell, who is a former New West uh, school trustee and currently the deputy leader of the party, even though she's not elected, she's not an MLA, widely anticipated that she would seek the job and might get a lot of support. And she announces this morning she won't run for the job. Does this is this make uh, Sonia Firstenow pretty much? a lock here to become the leader of this party, Shannon?
1: Well, I think she was certainly the front runner at that point in time. She's She has a seat in the legislature and is yeah. running for the leadership of the party. Um, she's also the, was the first one to declare, so, you know, um, first one out of the gate. Um, but I don't know that it's going to look great for the party if there's only one person who wants yeah. to compete for the leadership. Now, there's still time. They have until mid-April to yeah. actually, for anyone who's interested, to get their ducks in a row and get in the race. But so far doesn't seem like a lot of people are really keen on getting in there.
0: Okay, real quick.
2: I, I think it, it would be good for the party to at least have somebody from the lower mainland. Uh, the party yeah. uses a very simple one-member, one-ballot system for leadership. And so uh, someone who was there campaigning, would, if, even if they can't beat Sonya or be competitive, I think they'd do good in terms of signing up members. Guys, thanks
0: for coming in. The time the time us. flies when you're here. I appreciate it. That is Shannon Waters from B.C. today, McLean K from the Orca B.C.